Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The HIV epidemic is not over. HIV is still here. The face of HIV is so diverse. The biggest thing to reduce HIV stigma is just to talk about it testing and PrEP and HIV treatment and how effective it is today. Undetectable equals untransmittable. Whether you're positive or negative, there's not a wrong door. Whether it's testing or whether it's treatment, do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about HIV testing, treatment, and prevention at doitforyoumc.org. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Yo, what's happening, Rush Nation? It's your boy Stocks and Murph back in your ears once again in the studio. Got a guest, but before we get to the guest, big man, how you doing? Very well, thank you. It's a lovely Thursday. Uh, weather is nice. The sun I never see anymore because I leave in the house when it's dark. I get home and it's dark. But I assume it's been sunny. Was, How about us if it's not been? It's not been. I work outside, like I always tell you guys, and no, today was pretty miserable. Have you got a calm light? You know, one of the ones that wake you up with sp- supposed sunlight? No. Okay. No, it's just some people benefit from that, and, you know, you might be one of those people. That sounds like the worst thing I've ever heard. Look it up. It might be better than you think. You, are you one of these, like, people that believe in, like, quinoa and... What do you mean, believe in quinoa? Quinoa isn't a religion. Wow. It's a grain. <laughs> it, feels like, it feels like it. Oh, hell, the quinoa. Everyone trying to put quinoa on everything these days. Like quinoa on toast. And Nobody's put quinoa on toast. I bet you they have. I bet you there's someone out there. Anyway, let's move away from it. It's just, it seems to be quinoa. Do, and... do you know who probably has put quinoa on toast? Who? Who put, who tried to cook tea in a microwave oh jj zacharyson yeah i bet jj zacharyson has put quinoa on toast i tell you what i'm gonna pose that question to him i'll send him an email yeah i should just mention it on the just say you mentioned it on the pod jj <laughs> we're coming for you talking of guests we've got an absolute banger today returning guest host of fits on fantasy contributor to the football is pat fitz morris pat thanks for coming back how you doing 
Stocks and Murph, great to be back on with you guys. Doing well. Uh, cold, dark weather here in the upper Midwest of the United States as well. Um, and for the record, I do not believe in quinoa, but my wife does. And it's been a source of great friction in our marriage. So, Wow. Quinoa is a religion and a great friction in marriages. There's some shade being thrown at quinoa right here. <laughs> I just refuse. I'm certainly not putting it on my toast, for God's sake. No, no, no one should be doing that. No, no one be. <laughs> By the way, I've just someone has made aware to me the LA Chargers Twitter post. Have you seen this, Pat? It came out about half an hour ago. No, oh, no. So you know all the chat to like someone from the Athletic quoted some guy's auntie's mum's nephew's cousin's next door neighbour saying that the charges might be open to moving and it's caused some sort of hubbub over here that everyone thinks the charges are going to be moving. They started coining the London charges. The, the charges have filled in a response and they've basically just taken the video of Leonardo DiCaprio from the Wolf of Wall Street film saying, we're not effing leaving. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's great. I mean, I like the early charges. I think they do a good job, but uh, I'm glad they have uh, let everybody stew over this for 12 hours and then decided to tell everyone that they're not leaving. No one <laughs> so, believe like, and no one reasonable believe that report. Sure. I thought you were going to reference a some sort of tweet about them gloating over their victory over my Packers on Sunday, where the Packers just didn't show up, even though they were basically playing a home game with more Packer fans there on hand. And- I've, I've got to say. That was ridiculous. I was watching it on Sunday, and I was like, spot the Chargers fan. It was like playing a game to Where's Wally, or Where's Wally, depending on where you are. <laughs> kind of that way whenever the Chargers host a team with a fan base that travels well. It was like that also when they played the Pittsburgh Steelers, who have uh, devoted legions of fans all over the country. But, you know, maybe if if they cannot at least get a – quorum in their own stadium maybe they maybe they should be elsewhere speaking of your charges so fun fact um charges packers fun fact about your packers the packers are the only team in the nfl not to have played a game in london i know they do not want to take away the home game from green bay it's already sort of a tricky juggling act they have because they used to play three of their eight home games in milwaukee which is like 60 miles to the south of Green Bay. And now they've got a split season ticket package where there are games for the Green Bay fans and games for the Milwaukee fans, two different season ticket packages. And um, they already have to appease those two different groups. And so they have um, petitioned the league as a reason for that why they could not sacrifice a home game to play in London. So you don't get to see every home game as a green, depending on where you come from, is that? I think so. I mean, I think there are some people who have access to all the tickets, but there are subgroups of season ticket holders who only have um, partial tickets to either you know one group of games or the other group of games. That's madness. That is it mad. is kind of strange. That is crazy. Um, well, I mean, yeah, I, I thought it was more to do with the stadium issue. I thought there was something in the lease for the stadium or done through the owner, obviously the fans own Green Bay, that there was something in some form of constitution, bylaws, whatever, was legally binding that they cannot forfeit a home game. 
and that's why they can't. And that, that might not be true. I, that's what I read. I don't. I can't remember the source. This was a while ago, but I remember trying to talk to a Packers fan, and we came up and we found this out. But you can still come here as an away team, and that's, I guess, what. Uh, but the Packers are very well supported here. Mm. Right, right. And I'm, I'm not sure why they haven't forced us to do that yet. I, would I think, think they will. Inevitable, yes. I think at some point, I think the schedule is going to be set up so that the, the Packers end up in, in London. I just think the, the NFL will want to get that done. If it's not next season, it will be the season after. I'm, I'm pretty confident because the NFL are committed to London and they will want people to uh, go through and, and sort that out. So I think, yeah, I think, I think the Packers will be over here soon. So, yeah, which would be great. I mean, I love the London games and I would love to see the Packers play in one. I know they do have a lot of supporters over there. So uh, I, I do think it would be a really cool thing. Yeah, well, I for one would certainly love to see Aaron Rodgers live. It's special, you know, we last few quarterbacks we've seen haven't been top draw. So, no, Tom Watson. <laughs> yeah, no, he was good. But overall, I mean, we got... The Panthers backup QB. We got Jameis Winston. Yeah. What more do you want? All right. Five interceptions. <laughs> That's true. That was entertaining. Minshew imploded this week at the end of the game. It was brilliant. Everyone left and he got even worse. It was superb. Listen, we've had some quality QBs this year. We've had Mitchell Trubisky. Tick. We've had Kyle Allen. Tick. We've had Jameis Winston. Tick. We've had Gardner Minshew. Tick. Um, we've had Andy Dalton. And yeah, Andy Dalton, probably last game as a Bengal. He actually wasn't that bad. You've had Jared Goff. Yep. Uh, and you had Deshaun Watson. So for every Deshaun Watson, you get seven, you get seven kind of like mediocre QBs to pay. Like if Aaron Rodgers comes over, we we're going to have to have Ryan Finley, and Baker Mayfield, Baker Mayfield <laughs> Joe Flacco, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick. I mean, that's the price you've got to pay, right, for the talent. I'll take that. You guys deserve a Packers Seahawks matchup or something, Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers, or you know, oh. something something better. We yeah, that, would, that, that would be tasty. That would be that. tasty. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we can't we can't keep exporting these this bad quarterback play over there. I'm glad we at least gave you Deshaun Watson for a weekend. That boy is special as well. Watching yeah. him live, he is frighteningly good. He's frighteningly terrific. Good. Words escaped me on Sunday. Just some of the throws he made from falling over whilst falling over. And you think, how has he done that? Like, I, it blew my mind. Absolutely blew my mind. But Pat, how about you? What have you been up to since you were last on the podcast? Oh, just uh, right now, knee deep in fantasy work and, uh, you know, trying to raise two children, a teen and a preteen. So that's keeping me busy. I'm, I'm mostly doing show for duty when I'm not working on fantasy stuff. Um, so yeah, that's about it. And, uh, you know, more good than bad with the fantasy season so far, my dynasty teams aren't in the best of shape, but the redraft leagues are going pretty well for the most part. Yeah. I'm pretty much completely the opposite. My dynasty team's doing okay. Well, one of my two dynasty teams, I say my two Murph and I have got about 394 joint dynasty teams. <laughs> Yeah, we've got weight. I've decided, by the way, we have too many teams. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we got way too invested in the preseason. Yeah. We need to have a chat about it, that. It does take a long time to set lineups. I know. And you hence, do. Hence why we missed, like, I missed, I was out at lunch, got the news about D.D. Westbrook and was like, I can't do anything about this now. We're just going to have to run D.D. Westbrook in there. Luckily, I think he was only in three teams. One of them was Scott Fishbowl, but because of injuries and buys, I don't think we would have had anyone out there to 
actually play instead. <laughs> and it's hard to own own so many teams when some of them are dynasty leagues because in dynasty you're expected to be active and make trades and you know you've got bigger lineups to set and uh you know you're supposed to be looking for whatever tumbleweeds cross through the waiver wire you know possibly churning the bottom of your roster and upgrading there but it's just hard when you've got these dozens and dozens of teams yeah, 100%. So one of the good things you've been doing this season is your fantasy pro rankings. Talk to us about how that's going and how you've been near the top in all of them so far. Well, it had been going well. I was, I was, I think, number one at one point, but uh, I've been in kind of a ranking slump the last four weeks or so, and I think I'm down to 19 now. So, um, you know, if I can stay in the top 20 or 25, I'll, I'll be okay with it. Like that's a respectable finish, but I've sort of been tumbling a little. I'd like to get that turnaround. I cannot rank tight ends to save my life this year. For I saw reason. this. Yeah. I think <laughs> I I'm, saw your ranking. You're like 112 or something. For tight it is. And I'm like top 25 at other positions, but I just cannot get tight ends. And, you know, I knew when Jacob Hollister scored two touchdowns this past week that, you know, of course I had to be well below the consensus ranking on Jacob Hollister. And I was, <laughs> and this was someone as someone who actually owned Jacob Hollister in two dynasty leagues at one point. So like I was on this guy when he was in new England, hoping he would eventually pop. I just uh, wish he had popped at a different time, I guess. <laughs> so Pat, same here. Same here. I didn't really enjoy him getting a game-winning touchdown against the Buccaneers. Um, but, you know, it was all good. Everyone was happy that the coaches were happy that we played better. And Jamal Dean got a lesson that he probably will never forget. It was hung <laughs> out to try. I mean, it, it's so bad when every time you look at Russell Wilson, he's looking at Jamal Dean and whoever is up against Jamal Dean going, and that's where I'm going to throw the ball. Everyone in the stadium oh. knew it. Everyone watching it knew it. And it was just like, oh, okay. Not again. Car crash television. I mean, he conceded three touchdowns, and I don't know how many yards. I don't think they finished counting how many yards <laughs> so, he came up, which is rough because he had played three snaps in the NFL prior to Sunday. <laughs> yeah, Wilson and Aaron Rodgers are two of the guys who will do that, just find a weak link in the defense and just – pick on that player repeatedly until it, they actually force the defense to make some sort of adjustment or they're just going to keep doing it. Well, I mean, credit to Todd Bowles for two plays in overtime. He did switch it from man to zone coverage. And boy, it worked. We got into a third and sixth and he went, well, that's it. Let's go back to man coverage. <laughs> DK Metcalf, 29-yard uh, game. Ah, yeah. Oh. That didn't work. Well, <laughs> The Bucks fought valiantly, Murph. I'll give them that. Ah, oh, listen, we're, we're a great television team. In fact, we're going to be on television this week on in the UK of all the games they could have picked for the six o'clock lineup or one o'clock your time. Uh, it, they've gone with Bucks Cardinals. <laughs> it's kind of an interesting game, though. It's going to be entertaining. There'll be some points. It's going to be lovely because the Buccaneers haven't been home for eight weeks. <laughs> yeah, they really have. That's a long time. Yeah, we, 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 everyone talks about the Raiders run. The Buccaneers is uh, six days longer. They're, they're going to have to go and dust off the seats at Raymond James. <laughs> I wouldn't worry about that. Half of them will still be empty anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's, that's not good shade, even from you, Murph. Come on. 
Come on. So, Pat, you said your season fantasy-wise is going pretty well. What are some trends that you've found so far through the season? Well, I mean, the things that have sort of stood out as far as characterizing this season. I mean, tight end continuing to be sort of a wasteland, maybe only seven or eight maximum guys that you can count on every week. Um, You know, I think we're continuing to see the importance of running backs with pass catching value, both in, in sort of the real game and in the fantasy game. I mean, those guys just have such a big leg up. Um, We saw Austin Eckler just being this incredible value early in the season while Melvin Gordon was out, um, you know, and, and still managing to maintain some value, even with Gordon there. And, um, you know, Gordon catches passes to Aaron Jones with green Bay, um, these guys are just so much more valuable and consistent than guys like Sony Michelle, who just don't get enough utility in the, the passing game. Um, you know, quarterbacks who run, of course, we're seeing Lamar Jackson just you know put up phenomenal fantasy numbers without having any extraordinary passing numbers. You know, his passing numbers aren't bad, but what he's doing on the ground is just incredible. You know, and it's... I, I feel like there are fewer sure thing wide receivers than there used to be. Like it used to be, you could sometimes go to the zero RB strategy and make it work. Just go heavy at the top. And like, I used to feel that you got what you paid for at wide receiver more than you did at running back where, you know, so much depended on injuries and, you know, rotating opportunities and, you know, maybe an undrafted free agent could surface and become an impact fantasy player. Whereas like, the top 25 wide receivers were usually money in the bank. And that seems like it's not been the case. Sometimes it's maybe a quarterback getting hurt as it was with Juju Smith Schuster and sort of the loss of his value, or maybe a quarterback just not panning out to the degree we thought like Baker Mayfield with Odell Beckham. But for whatever reason, like a lot of the wideouts we thought were going to be bankable this year have not been. I definitely went zero RB in a couple of places. I say a couple, loads of places, and it has not worked at all. Oh, no. My my worst redraft team by far, I think I started with DeAndre Hopkins, Juju Smith-Schuster, and Keenan Allen. And that team is three and six, and I'm not sure how I got to three wins. Like, it took a minor... I think OJ Howard was my tight end in that league, too, so... Um, major woes at the pass catching positions and you know again three and six actually like doesn't feel bad I think that team could easily be one and eight just mad and I didn't realize this until I've just looked at it that in PPR DeAndre Hopkins is currently ranked the wide receiver six really yeah I mean he's played a game more than some of the guys around him but yeah, he's after the weeks that Edelman and Chark have had, he he's actually not that far off the top spot. He's twenty three points behind, so he could still make it to wide receiver one overall with the yeah, season he's having. But I mean, that, that's crazy because he's had a really really quiet year from all expectation, and I mean, the only guys ahead of him are Michael Thomas. Mike Evans, Tyler Lockett, Chris Godwin, and Cooper Cup. I mean, that's not a, it's not a bad return, but they're all so bunched up. There just isn't that value of... There's no standout. There isn't a standout wide receiver. And like, it's just a bunch of guys who are all performing to a level. But as long as you've got what... If you, know, if you took Michael Thomas, Mike Evans, it's all kind of panned out for you. 
Where as a running back, you've got almost like three tiers going on. Well, you've got McCaffrey on his own, then Cook. How far ahead is McCaffrey of Cook? In PPR, like 40 points. That's stupid. And then Cook is 25 points clear of Eckler and Jones, who are pretty much neck and neck. And then you've got another 30 point dip to like Fournette and Chup. So there's huge gaps and tears. Do you want to know what's even worse about that? Well, McCaffrey's had a bye week. <laughs> yeah. He's averaging 30.8 points a game in PPR. No, cheat code. Is there a work is there a world where next year he isn't the number one overall pick in fantasy? He has to be. And and that's you know, I didn't even mention when I was talking about the pass catching running backs, I I went right to Aaron Jones and Austin Eckler, but it's just silly how guys like McCaffrey and Cook can be such enormous different difference makers when they're involved in the passing game too in in PPR. I mean, they're just on another level and um yeah, I think McCaffrey has to be number one next year. I, I don't think it's going to be – I think it's going to be pretty much unanimous. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think that's such a – he's had such a phenomenal season and he won't win the MVP for a couple of reasons. Uh, mainly he's a running back and the Panthers are going to potentially struggle to get into the playoffs. They might get there, they might not. But he's not going to be on a, a contending team, uh, even though he's probably going to get every single one of those wins on his own now it kind of feels like so i mean in terms of some of the, i mean i always find this debate interesting because i find now more than ever you almost have to go running back at least in the first two rounds and i think zero rb is a strategy that is i think dying i wouldn't say dead because there is such little talent there but do you find with your teams that are being successful about maybe going at like two running backs in the top three rounds i mean what, what was sort of the trend of those well-performing redraft leagues um the the well-performing ones it's not necessarily where how hard i hit the running backs early i mean like generally in the first four rounds i was typically coming out two and two and how I how I divided that up is, um, you know, kind of based on where I drafted. I mean, towards the end of the first round, the, the couple of teams I had where I put the emphasis on wide receiver first. And, you know, one one is that three and six team and another is like a, a five and four team that's just kind of, um, you know, probably a uh, four and five team realistically looking at the talent, but both of those teams, just because of where I sat, like I didn't feel entirely confident in the running backs that were there. So I wound up taking wide receivers at the turn to start. But um, yeah, like I felt certainly with the the sure things and I thought there were maybe five of them. So if you had a top five pick, you know, I, I would definitely say that running back was the way to go. And then in a lot of drafts, like I found Dalvin Cook in the second round which was just such a, a great spot to get him. And the teams where I was able to get Dalvin Cook in the second, I mean, those teams are just doing great right now. But, I mean, I think the common thread with my uh, good performing teams right now is strangely, like, more at quarterback. Like, I pretty much zeroed in on Russell Wilson and Lamar Jackson as the guys I wanted this year, like one or the other. If I didn't get Russell Wilson, I was going to get Lamar Jackson. And it was just pretty easy to get Lamar Jackson this year. Mm. In, in at least in my home leagues, maybe a little less so in the, you know, bigger leagues with a lot of fantasy media people, the Scott Fishbowl and other drafts like that, the, the drafts with you guys. Um, you know, I think Lamar was a little more coveted there, but in home leagues, um, you know, I remember 
telling one friend who doesn't know that much about fantasy and was basically like texting with me during his draft. I'm like, wait until 10 teams get starting quarterbacks and then take Lamar Jackson with your next pick. And he did that. And like, it's worked out brilliantly for him. So yeah, I mean that those two guys have been kind of the uh, common denominator with all of my good teams. I think that, and I got Chris Godwin in a lot of spots, which has kind of helped. And and I think Austin Eckler has wound up on a fair number of my teams too. So, but then again, Juju has wound up on a lot of my teams. Odell has wound up on too many of my teams. So uh, it's, it's been a mix. Juju's one that you can't really blame because of the injury and sure and everything that's gone on. I mean, it's unfortunate, but given that time again, you, you, you know, you, you'd still do it. And I still think Juju will go in those realms next year. He'll always be given a pass for this year. But the one thing, so I, I started doing a bit of a project this year where I'm streaming one in each position. So one QB. And so I was just tracking it every every week to see where I can get to. And it's kind of proving that philosophy that you don't really need to draft anything other than running backs and wide receivers because I'm currently sitting with like, the running back 38 just from streaming and the, the threshold they put is 30% owned or less. So not even going at like the traditional 50% owned. I really wanted the challenge. So I got like the running back 38 and I think the wide receiver 34, 35. But I sit at this stage of the season with the QB five with like 1.7 points behind Dak Prescott in fourth, the DST four or five, the kicker number nine on the season, the tight end eight on the season. And I think I'll get into the top six eventually. I just haven't quite picked the right one the last couple of weeks, but it's not been terrible. And you just think, yeah, unless you're really, there's just no point in taking your, any of these positions with any draft equity because you can stream enough to where you're not going to be that deficient at the position points per game but at running back and wide receiver if you're not drafting those positions correctly you can have the best qb the best tight end the best dst and the best kicker and you're still dead you've just got no hope because those positions are just so so deep except for tight end but everyone's rubbish and there's there's also a world where if you're in the top four picks you picked cmc and then on the return you took dalvin cook and then coming back you got I don't know, say you took Chris Godwin in the third. Mike Evans, you might have got in the third. Yeah, exactly. Either of those pair. And then all of a sudden, Cooper Cup returns as the third Rams receiver off the board in the fourth. Then you stream the rest of the positions. You, If you haven't won that league by doing that, then you're doing something wrong. Yeah, I mean, it's just everywhere else. It's just a bit of a, a bit of a mess. I mean, you've got guys like Darren Waller went undrafted in most leagues or was picked up late. Mark Andrews was a late round fly. Darren Fells was a waiver wire ad. Will Disley was, unless you're playing in deeper leagues like Scott Fishbowl, he was, I mean, he's, he's out now, but he's still sitting. Will Disley hasn't played for three weeks and he's still sitting at the tight end nine. No, oh, that's just incredible. <laughs> it's, it, that's what OJ was last year. This was my whole point was on OJ Howard. OJ Howard played 10 games last year and he finished the tight end 10. It might have even been higher. It was the nine or ten spot. Yeah, but yeah, but yeah I just think I, th- I think you make a good point. I like your your trends because I think that that makes sense, um, and it's what I'm seeing and what we're seeing, and I think it's going to be interesting for the zero RB truthers to come out next season and try and stand on that hill one more time because <laughs> I'm not sure the evidence is stacking up their way. What advice would you give Pat to? Uh, fantasy players out there that are three and six, four and five, even five and four, as to how they can get themselves into the playoffs, what sort of strategy or moves that they need to make in order to just hit a late run and, and sneak in? I guess it 
is kind of situational depending on how you honestly assess your team and and maybe they're four and five or five and four teams that are really strong and just haven't had the breaks go their way either they've had some minor injuries or um you know just losing close games teams every week seeming to score the the high point total for the week in a certain league against you I mean that sometimes teams are just ill-fated with like big opponent point totals or um you know these these injuries like Adam Thielen going down early and and leaving all his owners stuck with zero so I mean if you're in that sort of position and you're still reasonably uh, within striking distance at four and five or five and four, like you can just stay the course. Um, you know, sometimes uh, people like sort of want to hang on to their depth. They feel like guys just, you know, are destined to eventually come through for them. Even if they haven't yet, they believe in the talent, but um, you know, it, it's on one hand, I ag- agree that like, you know, yes, try to trade your way out of trouble. If you feel like you are, at five and four or four and five and like are not going to make it with the sort of talent you have, like, you know, do what you can to shake things up a little within reason. But, you know, if you're three and six, four and five with a really weak team, I mean, this might be uh, some of your listeners might be aghast when they hear this, but like sometimes you can say, you know, keep fighting no matter what, keep trading, make crazy trades, take chances. But taking chances sometimes means like, making stupid trades that really aren't in your best interest and only are going to have your league mates bad at you, mad at you. So sometimes it's not the worst thing to just run up the white flag and capitulate. If you are three and six and your next loss means that almost certainly you are not going to make the playoffs. Cause I can't think of too many fantasy teams that have made the playoffs with seven losses. Um, it's okay to just say, Hey, this is not my year. Any, crazy trade I make at this point is only going to be given the side eye by my opponents. And, um, you know, I I know that's not the type of advice that Winston Churchill would want to hear. It's more of a never (laughs) Neville Chamberlain bit of advice, but uh, you know, if you're three and six, keep setting the best lineup you can every week, you know, fight to the best of your ability, but there's probably not much that any sort of, trading is going to do for you at this point unless you get really really lucky yeah I, th- I think that's fair i think it's it's hard at, at three and at three and six where you're just sitting there like trying to do something and you know i think at three and five you're sitting there thinking okay try and do something but at three and six you've either got to win out or and you know you, you might have some injuries play the wire and and i think the biggest urging i can give to anybody at this situation is if you're oh and eight or oh and nine, one and eight, still play the waiver wire. Don't just like give up on the season. Just try and be that real awkward pain in the backside. Uh, I lo- you know, I don't enjoy being in that position. But if I'm in a league where one and seven at this stage, uh, or one and eight, or two and seven, um, that in a couple of leagues we've just drafted and just got injuries and hammered and couldn't pick up a QB and just got stuck. I just still play the wire. I still take people. I still really like annoy people by taking players and I either stash them or play them. And it, just, just be that owner. Just play it as you would play it as your O and O trying to win. And then you'll earn your league mates respect. They might be a bit annoyed that you might take a player they want and just going to sit there on a team that's not going to make the playoffs. But you know, that's the way the game is played. Don't, don't allow uh free 
free hits to people that are sitting in the the bottom end of the of the playoff spots to to make it easier for them to get in. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And and just to clarify what I was saying is like, I, I know some people, you know, when they give this like never give up advice that you should keep trading until, you know, you've taken your last breath. And well, I mean, that's like what, what constitutes a, a, a chance, a crazy gamble, like trading Tyler Lockett for Kareem Hunt. Like it's just the sort of trade that, that you know, it's going to have your league mates mad at you and, you know, you could justify it by saying, well, what if Kareem hunts, you know, what if Nick Chubb gets hurt? What if Kareem hunts is, is really the better back after all, what if he takes over the backfield? But I mean, it's just a bad trade. And, um, you know, it's at some point you kind of exhaust your, your outs, your possibilities for getting out of a hole. So, uh, you know, sometimes it's, sometimes it's not too bad to wave the white flag. Yeah. We, we play with some guys. They posted a trade in another league that some of these guys play in. Uh, so shout out to the league of legends guys. They're, they're pretty awesome. Um, and someone in one of their leagues posted a trade and it was, it's apparently these two guys who work together. One has a chance of making the playoffs. The other one doesn't. And it was Zeke Elliott and Cortland Sutton for, uh, Matt Breeder and Brandon Cooks. No, unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, like, you don't ever want to say people are colluding. You don't really want to veto tree- trades, but that's pretty close to the line, I suppose. Yeah, that's pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> so, Pat, with your uh, amazing uh, fantasy football insight, and again, um, you know, being near the top of the rankings, uh, except for tight end, so maybe leave the tight end. Uh, <laughs> oh. Tight end advice to a dartboard and some darts or something. Can you give us some some insight, maybe some players that you would consider starting this week outside of the, the normal must-starts that people should try and scrape for value either on uh, free additions or waiver-wise or just people that might be on the peripheries of their squad who might have sat on the bench the last couple of weeks or just even those questionable starts, start-sit decisions? Sure. I'll, um, I, I guess I'll start a quarterback with Matthew Stafford. I think some people are – I just looked at the Fantasy Pros expert consensus rankings and, and just saw that I'm like well above consensus on Stafford this week. I think people are a little, a little worried about the matchup at Chicago, but uh, – like Stafford is back to sort of his old pass heavy ways. I know there was a lot of concern that, you know, Daryl Bevel being his offensive coordinator this year, that maybe they were going to be run heavy, but that's kind of, um, well, kind of was never really the case. And now with carry on Johnson out, it's uh, most definitely not the case because they don't have the sort of running game that can uh, be relied on. So Stafford's throwing a lot. He's got the two terrific outside receivers in Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay. Uh, Danny Amendola's been a pretty good slot receiver for him. Um, and even even these backs he has now, Ty Johnson and J.D. McKissick, are, are better pass catchers than runners, I think. So I'm just not running away from that matchup. Like, the Chicago defense has been good. I think they're a little dispirited just because they've been asked to carry so much weight for the Chicago offense, which has been just uh, stuck in the mud for so long. But, like, I would roll out Stafford with confidence just with the passing volume he's had and the talent he has to work with. Like, I'd feel pretty good about that matchup where some people might be tempted to bench him because of it. I can't say I've had a good read on the Kansas City backfield this year at any point, and it seems like it's sort of really oscillated as far as who's got the upper hand between LaShawn McCoy 
Damian Williams, even even Daryl Williams for a minute or two. <laughs> it seemed like it was going back to Damian Williams last week, just based on the snap counts and the touch counts. And like, obviously the long touchdown run Damian Williams sort of skewed the final numbers, but you know, the underlying usage trends seem to be pointing towards Damian Williams anyway. I don't know if he's going to justify where he was being drafted in early August in some of the best ball leagues, but um, you know, I, I think he's a decent start against Tennessee this week, like kind of a flex type. You know, I, I think I've got him in the low twenties at running back this week, which might be a little more aggressive than most rankers. I kind of like, as a just like a flex play, uh, Jarvis Landry this week, just because I think the Bills are likely to put Tredavis, Tredavis White on Odell Beckham, and, and White's, you know, one of the best pure cover guys in the game this year. And, um, you know, Landry has been having some, he, he's kind of been checking in every week, like not any big explosion games, but he seems to be, you know, involved often enough that I'd feel pretty good about him, especially when Beckham's running into such a tough matchup. And, uh, you know, just for you guys, I do have to do one tight end pick. And this will show you exactly why I am outside the top 100 in tight end rankings. I kind of like O.J. Howard against the Cardinals this week. Like, (laughs) Arian says he's ready to roll. The Cardinals can't cover tight ends. They've had trouble all year. I think this is the... OJ Howard breakout week, guys. What do you think? Am I nuts? No, I don't, I don't think you are nuts. You know, I, I watch the team, Pat, religiously, and uh, Cameron Brate's got a rib issue. They put Tanner out there, and, and they liked Tanner. Like, he's he had a really, really strong preseason, but two weeks in a row, he's dropped a TD. They they actually went, without OJ Howard and Cameron Brate, they actually ran three tight end sets at times on Sunday. So... I think Arians has is, is realized that there is no real strong wide receiver three. Perryman's touchdown's lucky. You know, it pops up in the air and he responds. And But he's not catching balls. Scotty Miller's not catching balls. They need a third threat in that, in that offense because you've got Evans and, and Godwin, who are two top five wide receivers in the NFL, but there isn't anyone else on the team. So I think you're right. I, I think O.J. Howard, if you've kept him this long, then he's someone that I would be rolling out this week, unless you've got Darren Waller, Kelsey, Kittle, Ertz, Hunter Henry. That's probably about it. They're probably the only players I'd even consider over OJ Howard this week, because I do think OJ Howard, I think you're right. I think he's going to break out. I'm not saying he gets in the end zone, but he will get, he'll get, he'll get throws across the middle and, yeah, I think it's a good call. And if not, we'll be wrong together and we'll, we'll stand on that hill. <laughs> you have company. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, so there's your starts. Pat, what about some sits this week? Who are you not willing to play? Generally pro Josh Allen, but I don't especially like the matchup at Cleveland this weekend. Um, you know, and I guess I just don't see the uh, big game upside for Josh Allen when he's really only got John Brown as a credible weapon in the passing game. I mean, I guess Cole Beasley's okay. Knox has had his moments at tight end, hasn't had many for a few weeks, but um, you know, and Allen runs a little bit, but the, the Cleveland pass defense is not a pushover. And, you know, this time of year weather can maybe be an issue in Cleveland. Um, you know, those fans are always in full throat, win or lose. So um 
I don't really love the matchup for him this week. I don't like Kenyon Drake that much against the Buccaneers this week. Uh, even if David Johnson remains out, sounds like there's a decent chance he'll be back. But, you know, as you guys know, the, the Tampa run defense has just been really tough this year. And, um, you know, <laughs> a lot of people saw Kenyon Drake blow up last week and might think that's repeatable. But, you know, the Cardinals hadn't really run the ball effectively all year. Got a little spark from Drake. The Bucs have been murder on the run all year. So I just I don't think that bit of lightning strikes twice. People may see an opportunity with Kalen Balaj to get volume at uh, Indianapolis this week for the Dolphins with Mark Walton being suspended. But that is the epitome of empty volume, I believe. Uh, you know, we saw that last week when some people had – Mark Walton in their top 25 at running back and thinking he was a, a worthwhile flex play and just volume does not necessarily equate to usable fantasy numbers for Dolphins running backs and Balage is worse than Mark Walton is. Um, he is walking proof that merely being big and fast is not the golden ticket to NFL success at running back. And um, one last one, I'll, I'll say Tyrell Williams against the Chargers and Casey Hayward uh, likely to be shadowing him all day. I just think this might be a Darren Waller game. And, you know, I think the Chargers pass defense is something to be feared now that Melvin Ingram is back and they have Joey Bosa and Ingram rushing the passer, Casey Hayward locking down top opposing wide receivers. So it's one thing if that top opposing receiver is on the Julio Jones, Michael Thomas level, but at the Tyrell Williams level, I'm not going to test it, and I would start someone else instead of Tyrell. That's fair. Can I throw another, like, two names at you to see where you would put these guys this week? Sure. Kirk Cousins versus the Cowboys. Let me just check where I've got Cousins. Um, So with no Thielen, I've got him quarterback 15 in a week where there are only 26 quarterbacks going. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I mean, it, it just seems like without feeling that kind of puts their passing game in a bad spot. And maybe they go back to the way they were trying to win games early in the season where they were sort of hiding Cousins a little bit. Um, I could see them shortening the game and, and trying to go real run heavy in this one. Maybe, you know, a lot of Cook and a bit of Alexander Madison, too. What do you guys think of him? Or are you more bullish on him than that? I'm lower. Oh, really? Yeah, I have a 19. You've done your rankings already? Yeah. No, you haven't. Yeah. Well, I've done I've done tight end. I still play with wide receivers. I find that one the hardest one to do. Because I always mess with like 40 to 75. I really struggle. <laughs> um, throw them all against the wall. Well, and they're all like the numbers when I project them all come out within like marginal differences. It's just like you have to just spend a bit more time on that. But yeah, QBs I've, I've done. So I've got Cousins at 19 because I just think I think it's exactly that. The game script isn't going to suit. He hasn't got anyone but Diggs who, you know, they'll cover well. The Cowboys are healthy now in that secondary, whereas they weren't when they lost to the Jets. And I know people sort of look at that game, but they literally didn't have anyone to put out on the field. And also, we all know what Kirk Cousins is like in prime time. Oh, I did forget. It's a Sunday night game. Yeah. Oh, my. And that's what I mean. Like, those are the sorts of things with 90% of players you wouldn't even take into any consideration. But with Kirk Cousins, he has such a bad track record on primetime tv that you know it actually moved him down at a spot for me i was like okay and then 
so yeah, so I'm I'm massively down on on Kirk Cousins this week. He's in my sits column. I actually said you can probably find a better option, like even Ryan Tannehill. I'd roll out ahead of him after what he's done the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I've got Tannehill right behind him. And now that you mentioned the prime time thing, I might have to uh, drop Cousins a spot or two. Considering the Cowboys are currently only giving up twelve point six points to quarterbacks in fantasy at the moment as well, plus prime time. Sayonara, Kirk. Yeah. <laughs> I thought. And the other one, because this one I wrestled with really hard, is uh, DK Metcalf against the 49ers. So I moved him down maybe five spots. I initially set him in one spot, and then I looked at it, and then dropped him a little bit further, uh, realizing, you know, maybe Josh Gordon gets some run this week. Um, I've got him wide receiver 30, and I know that's pretty well below consensus. Yeah, I mean, I haven't set a firm spot on him but i'm i'm like around about 34 36 on him at the mo- and i haven't quite finished what i'm gonna do there i'm just a bit i'm worried about the josh gordon thing because I, I you know they just think he could go out there and just take plays away and then you've got the 49ers the one thing that i'm worried about with the seahawks having really watched them on sunday is that defensive line isn't good um, i mean they made the buccaneers offensive line look competent <laughs> which is scary uh, in a lot of ways. Uh, they just don't really bring pressure. And I think the the 49ers, the one thing they've done so well this season is they've controlled time of possession and, and the game really, really well, probably better than almost anyone in the NFL. And I just worry that when Russell Wilson, I mean, Russell Wilson's an elite quarterback and backs against the wall, but they will, they will take players out of games, uh, the 49ers. And I just think... It's going to be a lot of Lockett, some Gordon. Uh, Hollister, I think, will do okay. But DK Metcalf is a guy I don't see getting a lot of a lot of production. I think they'll go to Chris Carson more just to try and break it up and, and use a lot of pass action, uh, play action just to try and change it all up. But I can see Chris Carson getting a fair share of work, probably more so. And that's what – even in, even in a negative <laughs> game script, they still think they're going to – I still don't see a path where DK Metcalf, for me, is a touchdown or bust play this week which is why i find it quite difficult to rank him because every time i look at it where i think he can end up i think i just don't see where a path to 75 yards so for me he's touchdown or bust and volume i don't think will be there and then i worry what gordon's gonna do so that's why i was curious because i found him to be the hardest player to rank this week almost forget like the 50 to 75 receiver because <laughs> that is just a a crap shoot but yeah he, he's a player i've really struggled in the early settings of when I finalized settings, uh, rankings. Yeah, I'd buy, I'd buy that argument. I mean, I really like the player and I like the quarterback he's tied to, but I agree this is not a great spot for him. Yeah, I've got him I've got him in the same realms as Juju against the Rams. Yeah, I'm a little more confident about Juju, actually. Like, I don't think that Rams pass defense is anything to fear anymore. Like, I, I you know, I definitely fear Mason Rudolph trying to get him the ball, but at least – uh, you know, at least he's getting the targets. And I, I still feel like you know, Juju's got the, the big play potential. Like I've, I've got him and maybe it's too aggressive. I've got him like wide receiver 19 this week. Mm, yeah, that's strong. I mean, yeah. I mean, listen, you're, you're the guy at the top of the rankings. <laughs> yeah, who are we to argue with you, yeah, Pat? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I might well, have to revisit Juju because I've got him a bit lower than that. I, I think I look at, the matchup with Jalen Ramsey and the fact that Mason Rudolph is only throwing five yards per attempt makes me 
slightly worried. And Jalen Samuel's presence there that he seems to gobble like 15, 15 to 16 targets, which is just nuts. Yeah. I mean, if, if Samuel shadows him, uh, which I suppose, and I, maybe I haven't accounted for that as much as I should. You know, I'm still still have great faith in Juju the player, even if I don't have great faith in his quarterback. But um, yeah, that might be that might be a bit too aggressive. I might have to revisit that. I, I think you're right. I might move him up. <laughs> I might just start shadowing your ranks. You seem to be doing a lot better than I am. So <laughs> that might make sense. What about some some by those trade deadlines in some leagues for people this week? Who are players that uh, people should be trying to acquire now rather than you know holding off? And um, who, who are players who could potentially be good value, but then also players who they should be trying to get rid of and, and sort of always to upgrading and what won't look like an upgrade? I mean, two possible buy lows for me, I think, are at wide receiver, Chris Kirk and um, Hollywood Brown. I just think Kirk was getting targeted so much early in the season. And, you know, a lot of those targets were downfield. He was getting both targets and air yards and just wasn't quite connecting with uh, Kyler Murray in some of those first few games. But, like, it's pretty clear that, you know, Larry Fitzgerald is just kind of running on fumes at this point and that, you know, Kirk is going to be the number one receiver for the Cardinals. And it just didn't really happen for him last week against the 49ers because he ran into Richard Sherman for, uh, you know, most of his snaps. And, um, you know, even though even though at the end, well, I guess it was mainly just the big completion of Andy Isabella. But, um, you know, it didn't really click for Kirk last week either. But I really think that he is a guy who – um, you know, his, his potential value has been kind of masked by the surface numbers so far and that he would be a great addition for people now, especially since the Cardinals get some easier matchups in the weeks to come. And, you know, I think Kyler Murray is maybe starting to master this offense a little bit better. Um, good time to get in on Christian Kirk, I think. And then with Marquise Brown, I think people have just forgotten how impactful he was his first couple of games. And, didn't really have that great a game last week. One big play early on against the Patriots, but, you know, not big numbers. And, and like, he's really the only weapon the Ravens have at wide receiver. Um, you know, I know it's, it's this kind of weird run and throw to the tight end-based offense, but I think you still get that enormous big play potential with Hollywood Brown. And, you know, great matchup coming up against the Bengals this week. Um, you know, I've got him as like a borderline top 25 receiver. I, I think he's a sort of a good guy to target just because his value, he was out of sight and out of mind for so long. Um, and then as far as a sell high, maybe that window has already closed on this player a bit, but Tevin Coleman, you know, obviously was kind of disappointing to a lot of people last week, not being able to follow up on the four touchdown game. Um, it was pretty disappointing in that game against the Cardinals and what a lot of people saw as just a great opportunity for him to have another big game. But I really think that Matt Breida is, you know, every bit as good a running back, if not better than Coleman. So if there's a chance that people are still viewing Coleman as like a top 15 running back, this might be the time to get out. I got Tevin Coleman in too many places, so I'm not sure I'm massively pleased with that advice. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's he's useful. I just think he 
was being perceived as something that he wasn't maybe like a, a, you know, almost low end running back one high end running back two. Like, I just don't think he is ever going to be that. Yeah. That's so, fair. so here's a question. And this is really bold. If someone came in now and offered you Ronald Jones and a wide receiver two, pick one doesn't really matter for Tevin Coleman. Would you take it or would you not? Ronald Jones and say, I don't know, Calvin Ridley, that sort of thing. Yeah, Calvin Ridley. Um, I'm just going to pull up some potential players that fill the mark here. Uh, but yeah, like a Calvin Ridley or who else is in the conversation? Yeah, Calvin Ridley, Terry McLaurin, Tyler Boyd, even though he's tied to Curtis Samuel, Mohamed Sanu. Yeah, like I think I'd do it for Ridley or Samuel because I think Ronald Jones and, you know, there have been false hopes before, but he did get the vast majority of the carries this past week. He had more than 50% of the running back snaps, which might not seem like an overwhelming number, but, you know, Dari Agumba Wale plays on a lot of passing downs. It was really Peyton Barber's 14, I think it was, 14% snap share that was encouraging like they're finally uh it seems like they are finally pushing Peyton Barber aside uh as well they need to and um you know it's it's as much my optimism about Ronald Jones uh as it is my pessimism about Tevin Coleman why I would make that trade I think and and then getting a really useful wide receiver on top of that you know, certainly I would not bet on Ronald Jones to outperform uh, Tevin Coleman the rest of the way, but I do think a player at wide receiver the caliber of Calvin Ridley or Curtis Samuel more than bridges the gap between Coleman and Jones. I, I agree. And the fact that the coaching staff came out on Monday and announced that Ronald Jones was going to get the work and he's going to be the starter. That, and, you know, and Arian said it wasn't even a case of, Barber's done badly. He said, Barber hasn't done anything wrong. It's just Jones has won the job. And I think, uh, yeah, I th- I th- it's definitely an interesting trade. I think it, it depends on your league and whether that works for you. But yeah, I agree. I think uh, Ronald Jones is someone who I'll be targeting this week. So don't be surprised if you get an offer from me. And don't drive the price too high because I know what he's worth. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I'm trying to buy him. In some, I've stashed him in quite a few places uh, truly believing that it would take time, but I knew he could be someone down the stretch, especially with their playoff fantasy playoff schedule. He could be someone that could do something special. Yeah, fair. So Pat, most meals end with a mint to uh, cool the cool the breath off the garlic and onions, but we want a spicy fantasy take for the rest of the season. So what have you got? All right, I'll say this about a guy I have totally come around on. Um, you know, I thought. Emmanuel Sanders coming off the sort of injury he had last season, um, you know, playing in in kind of a limited offense, uh, you know, it was was more about the combination of the injury, his age. Like, I didn't think he was going to have a good season, but he is um, a pretty pretty special player, a gamer, as we would call him over here in the U.S., and – I think now that he has been freed from the Denver offense and is in the much more functional 49ers offense, I think he is going to be a wide receiver one the rest of the way as really the only dependable wide receiver they have. And uh, you know, I think he's going to put up excellent numbers down the stretch. Maybe another buy low candidate 
if you can get him. I don't know if he's really a buy low now that he's had uh, two touchdowns in his first two games with the 49ers, but like I'm pretty excited about what he might do for them down the stretch. Love that. That's That's spicy. Yeah, I like that. Excellent. I can get on board with that, I think. Definitely. Pat, this has been a lot of fun. Why don't you let Rush Nation know where they can find you all over the world? Well, Stocks and Murph, uh, I always love talking to you guys. I always love learning about uh, Guy Fox Knights and the uh, pyrotechnics that you're enjoying over there. Well, at least one of you is enjoying them. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I get it. Murph has a young son. Like you, you don't like these, uh, you know, loud noises and, and things when you've got a sleeping infant. So I totally get it. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Fitz underscore FF. And uh, you can always find my fantasy rankings at thefootballgirl.com. They're always up every Tuesday morning. I usually um, put them together on Monday nights in the afternoon and during the game and uh, have them ready to roll bright and early Tuesday and um, check out my podcast fits on fantasy available uh, wherever all podcasts are available. So thanks again for having me guys. Really appreciate it. No, definitely. And check out all of uh, Pat's work. He's uh, not just one of the best rankers and knowledge, uh, knowledge heads in in fantasy football but genuinely one of the nicest guys as well i had the pleasure of being on his podcast a few weeks ago and absolutely loved it and just generally one of one of the great guys so if you haven't been listening to his podcast it's a little different which is why i like it it's a bit more of a deep dive uh not just on what's going on the nfl but the person who you're speaking to as well uh which is great but just all the work you do is is fantastic and yeah big fan so glad you came back on have to get you on again when the season's over and celebrate you being in the top 10 of the rankings. Cause I know you're going to get there. <laughs> I, I wish I was as confident as you are Murph, but I appreciate that. And you're way too kind. Um, thanks again, you guys always enjoy it. Always would be happy to come back anytime you need me. Oh, Pat, anytime it's absolutely our pleasure. And uh, if you've sort those tight ends out, then like Murph says, top 10, here you come watch out buddy. But yeah, I appreciate your time. Know you're a busy guy and, and we'll chat real soon. Murph. I will catch you at the weekend and watch some football. Rush Nation, enjoy the rest of your week. Enjoy your football. And until next week, keep rushing. HIV is still an issue in Montgomery County. The more open we're able to talk about HIV, we treat it like any other health prevention. PREP stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis. People who are not HIV positive who may be at high risk for contracting the disease. This is a good choice for you. It's just a way for you to sort of take control and say, I'm going to do this to protect myself. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about PREP, the HIV prevention medication. Visit doitforyoumc.org. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.